Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, bond prices and bond yields. I will end the uh, lecture at 1.10. You'll have uh, 20 minutes to do the, uh, ta the quiz after, uh, once I end the lecture. So it'll be a relatively short lecture. This will be the last lecture that would be on the uh, midterm exam. Now on Monday, I will review for the final exam. Here's how again it works. I'll tell you what I think you need to know to, uh, for the midterm exam. And that's probably a useful thing because I, since I'll be writing it, I'll know what you need to know. But uh, then I will open it up and it's your turn to ask questions. You ask me, well, is this going to be on the uh, exam? And if it's not, I'll just say no. And you say, well, can you show me an example of this? And I'll do that. That's what the second part of that review on, Monday, on Monday's class is. When you're finished asking questions, you're free to go. Uh, but it is very good if you ask me some questions because I will be as straight as I can with you about whether or not it's going to be on the exam and all of that. So Monday's going to be a little bit more of a review and that is your study guide is going through what I talk about there as well as your class notes and also the podcasts are always available for you to see and one more time as is always the case I show it three consecutive classes at the beginning of the semester but there's still people who want to know where it is there's where your lectures are you can listen to those uh, there uh, I usually publish uh, this will be published within a brief period of time. oh no you don't get to see it God Oh, I, I am, uh, okay, there is isu-prof.com, that's where the lectures are, and if you want, you can go over to Apple iTunes, uh, if Apple iTunes will ever connect. Are you kidding me? They've deleted iTunes from this computer? It was here at the beginning of the semester, and now they've deleted it. Well, they can bite me. Anyway. Uh, that's uh, the lectures are there for you as well and also the quizzes I'll make sure all the quizzes up to uh, through quiz 3 the answers are now available for you and quiz 4 I will make those answers available to you on Sunday night so that you can see the correct answers so those quizzes are a great study tool because I oftentimes copy and paste right from a quiz onto an exam and now for the uh, Good times. Professor? Yes? Can you use our notes on the exam? Right? You know, no. You, have, you will be allowed one 4x6 note card front and back. You will also be able to print out and down, uh, download and print out your, uh, that formula sheet for ratios uh, for, uh, as a reference so that you don't have to have those on your note card. 
and also of course you will be able to use your calculator or and uh, you will also be able to use Excel as well for the exam. So those are all the resources that are available to you when uh, obviously you have to have everything in order to make those resources useful, but more than anything else, doing that note card is a great way to focus your study, to say, okay, I need this on there, this, this, and this. So that's the reason you, uh, I allow a four by six note card. And also, don't throw it away after the exam, because I allow you two on the final exam. So the first one from the midterm might be useful to have as your first card of two for the final exam. Just a, just a little piece of advice. Mm. Now a quick look at the numbers here before we get cranking. Uh, this is just a really lousy day. Everything is just a mile uh, down. The uh, Dow is down just barely, 0.08%. And then the S&P 500, a little more volatile, is down more at uh, all, coming up on half a percent. And then the NASDAQ is more than half a percent down. So it's a bearish day, but it's not anything spectacularly bearish. This is certainly not the end of the world kind of a day. It's just a crabby day. I'm kind of curious to see what volume is right now on the S&P 500. Yeah, it's really lousy volume. Uh, I mean, we're coming toward the end of the day, and we have only about a fourth of the volume of an entire average day over the last year. So that's telling you this is just a not a good, uh, not an exciting day. And the bears are doing what they can to take advantage of the situation, but even they aren't too enthusiastic. The truth be told, close the stupid ad. God, that irritates me. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, everyone, I mean, like I said, and I'll show you this real quick here. Remember I taught you about the yield curves. Of course, I'm going to ask on the exam, so it's worth it for you to understand. Here's the yield curve uh, yesterday, the last uh, trading day reporting. And you can see right there on starting at the, is that the one? No, that's a six-month. Good grief. From the six months on, look at it. It's an inverted yield curve all the way out to the 20-year bond. I mean, that's pretty lousy. Ignore the 30-year. They're, they're weird. But, I mean, it is just so inverted. So, obviously, we are extraordinarily concerned because the yield curve, an inverted yield curve, has never been wrong. Uh, well, not uh, it, even when it wasn't a recession, it was a, an economic pause. But the numbers still look good. And it's just like, which way is it going to go? And so, of course, with that kind of uncertainty, investors are going to stay on the sidelines for the most part. They're just going to say, we need a clearer view of what's going to happen. And we just don't have that where, where we are. We just don't have that clear view. Now, crude, it had a little surge yesterday, but it's nothing spectacular. It's still in a trading band from about 79 to 72, and uh, it's just staying there. So when gas prices are going to come down, 
Well, they should have come down by now, but for some reason they haven't come down by now. But one way or the other, crude is not an issue, and so energy prices are going to stay stable uh, for the foreseeable future. Now, gold, it had a spike there about a couple of hours ago. There was something that got, well, something got the market excited about early, earlier in the morning the gold bugs started buying in then the, but it wasn't a spectacular buy-in but there was some buy of gold but now that's faded and it's falling back down silver just bounces around so here we go now the 10-year bond where we are now bonds so here we have a bond the uh, yields are up for the day that means the prices are down for the day. So that means that there is uh, the sell-it bonds are being sold. As they are sold, that drives the yield to maturity up. I showed that in the last class, and I'm going to show it again in this class, that inverse relationship. So when I see bond yields going up, which is what this little spark chart is showing, that means bond prices are going down. And if the price of anything is going down, that means that there is selling going on. There is the supply of bonds on the open market is increasing as the investors dump them. So that's why the price is going down. And that, of course, as the price goes down, that corrects the, uh, the uh, yield upward to reflect the market's requirement for the yield. Oh, going over here, we have a lot, uh, I mean, Tokyo, this is not, it looks on a spark chart, one of the problems with a spark chart is you can't tell whether that's a really good rise or a lousy rise. As you can see from the number, that's a quarter of a percent. That's nothing really. Although it was a sustained push upward, it just wasn't very strong. And it finished, uh, Tokyo finished uh, late last night uh, at about a, a quarter of a percent above where it started the day. London was kind of all over, kind of bouncing around. You see that at the end, there was a sell-off there at the end. And so it did finish the day up some, about a half a percent from where it began. But that sell-off, apparently, as the bell was closing, the bears took, uh, were taking some profits there. So when you come over to this side of the pond, you see that we began down, bounced around, it's like uncertainty is the whole thing. See that volatility there? Volatility represents uncertainty. And we have volatility. Now, I, I think I showed you this before, but let me show it to you again. There is actually a, a metric in the stock exchanges for volatility. Um, VXX. The, we call this the VIX. And this thing bounces around, and it is a measure of volatility. You can actually buy the VIX. You can buy options on the VIX. It shows you sort of where volatility is going. The price going up here indicates, well, in this case, it's, it's about a 1% increase. That indicates an increase in perceived in the volatility of stocks, the VIX does, VXX. And there are some, including me, who sometimes will take positions in the VIX, betting on or against volatility. Uh, and right now, it looks like the markets are in a volatile state with the VIX going up like this. 
What does that mean? Well, it means uncertainty. That's about all you can say. And once we have a clear view of what's going to happen, that uncertainty will go away. Enough of that. Let me pull this out, and I'm going to start right into bonds here. I'm going to show you. I've got an Excel well, worksheet uh, that I've uploaded, and I updated it uh, early this morning so that it's even more explanatory, if as it were. So I'm going to pull that up here, and I'm going to talk about bonds here for just a minute, just a little bit here before your quiz. Um, well, it's not there. That's right. I'm not. Okay. Open. Oh, no, I can't do it. I'll go to the resources tab in VeggieNet and get it. Bear with me here. Just a minute. Yeah. Okay, on the resources tab, uh, in resources, you'll find it under under resources. You'll find it. It'll say bond calculation calculations. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Bond calculations. Now I'm going to do these problems on your on the calculator first, because. The truth be told, it's actually easier on the calculator than it is on in Excel. But you're free to have this template available to you for the quiz today. Well, there won't be anything about bonds on this quiz, anything material. But on the exam, you'll have this. But remember that I'm not going to ask you a lot of numerical. I'm not going to ask you about numerical questions. But there are some things that I want to, want you to see here. Now, in the case of this one, I'm going to have to back this off one, a couple here. Okay. Now, here in the first example, in the first example, JCG 6.5% 2035. That is telling you that the, the name of the bond, the company, the symbol is JCG. It is paying a coupon of 6.5%. Now that is always going to be on the thousand or on the face value. So in other words, for the annual coupon, when I want to know how much the coupon is, how much money you're getting, it'll be 6.5% times a thousand, always. And then we have the yield to maturity. In this case, I'm giving you the yield to maturity. If I give you the yield to maturity, you find the price. If I give you the price, you find the yield to maturity. Now let me take you back through this grinder here. And I'm going to pull up the calculator. I'm going to do it there. I'm going to pull up the calculator. There it is. Okay. Apps, finance, TVM solve. And I'll let you get, get with me there. Give you a minute to get that running. So you said the bond had You said it's not on the No, more the qualitative side of it. But there is something I'm going to say today that would be fair game for the exam. But not the math. Yeah. Watch. Watch again. Watch again. Sorry about that. Watch. Apps, finance, TVM solver. I, I mean, the TVM solver is like for so many things. That's your go-to. 
there are a couple of others. You saw me use BAL and EFF, and later I'll use NPV. But I mean, this one's almost always going to be where you start. Now, in this problem, let me move it over here. Now, we're going to have N. That will be the number of periods, which is years for now. So 2035 minus 2023, which is obviously 12 years, okay? Nothing big there. Now the I percent. The I percent is the yield to maturity. You write that down somewhere. I percent is the yield to maturity. You have two percentages in these problems. The one that says yield to maturity goes in that I percent slot. In this case, it is 6.75. Now, you'll see Excel oftentimes calls that the required return. That's an unusual way to put it. It's not bad. But, I mean, traditionally, we just say YTM, yield to maturity. Now, there's another one that I'll bring up right now. It's called yield to call. You replace the maturity date with the date when the bond could be called. So if this bond had a, a call provision that kicked in in 2030, then I would, all I'd do is change the 12 to an 8. That's all you do for a call, yield to call. But don't worry about that for now. I'm just going to cruise on down here. Now, the price is what we don't know. The payment is going to be the coupon 0 0.065 times the face value, which is $1,000 always. Unless you're in Excel when they think you should put in 100 now, the future value is just the face value. FV is a face, 1,000. Make sure that PMT is on end, for gosh sake. I mean, that's just one of those things that, I mean, on an exam, you're going to use future values of annuity due. You'll have it on begin. Just make sure that it's on end for normal problems. Now, you've done all that. Just go back up here to the price. Alpha solve. It's nine hundred seventy-nine dollars and eighty-eight cents. Nine seventy-nine Don't put a negative if you're on a quiz or an exam. Just say the price is. Now, if I were to tell you, quote it, you would take a tenth of that. It would be ninety-seven. 99, 97.99, that would be on the 100. And the Excel seems to have a fetish for on the 100. Now, interestingly enough, for just a straight up price of a bond calculation, you don't have to worry. It's that other one that is a bear. Now I'm gonna take you on a very quick journey. In the real life of investments in bonds, the coupons, that uh, $65 coupon, it would be paid in two 
installments. So if you need to do a bond and you are supposed to do semi-annual coupons the way it's actually done, you would need to double the number of periods. I'm just going to show you that here. And you would need to take half of the yield to maturity. N times 2, I times, I divided by 2. And then you would need one more thing. You would need to divide the payment into two parts. And this is for semi-annual coupons. If you do annual, it won't change your answers by much. And if you're on a quiz or an exam, I'll make sure that you get the right answer whether you use semi-annual or annual. The book makes a thing about it, so, and it, in reality it is. But if you watch, watch what happens to the price if you use semi-annual. Alpha Sol, it goes from 979.88 to 979.66. It's really a small change. It's nothing big. It becomes a little bit more noticeable if the yield and the coupon are a lot different. Let me take you back to the original one here, just to show you. 12, 6.75, and $65. Let me show you a couple of things. You need to write these down because I could ask you these on the midterm. Not the numbers, but the concept. Watch what happens. Remember that the coupon was 6.5%. Watch what happens to the price if I increase the yield to maturity to let's say 7%. The bond gets farther from par, further from par. As, and write this down. As the coupon and the yield spread further apart, the price gets further from par. As the coupon and the yield get further apart, the price gets further from par. Now the opposite of that, suppose that instead of 6.75, the yield is 6.60. Now it's still above the coupon. So the bond is going to sell at a discount to par. But watch, it's closer to the coupon now. You see that the price is getting closer to par? Watch if it gets to 6.55. The coupon is 6.5. Watch how close it gets to par. So in other words, as the spread between coupon and yield gets smaller, the bond approaches par. Again, as the spread between the coupon and the yield get closer, 
uh, gets smaller, the bond approaches par. Yeah. A thousand dollars. If it's below par, we say it's a dis it's selling at a discount to par. If it's above a thousand, we sell it, say it's selling at a premium to par. Watch what happens if the coupon and the yield are exactly the same. It will sell at par. See how that spread gets closer and closer? Watch this. Suppose we go the other way. Suppose that the yield is below the coupon, 6.3 versus 6.5. It will sell at a premium to par. Watch what happens if it comes down on the coupon, the yield comes down on the coupon from above. It's getting closer at 6.4 to the 6.5, and sure enough, See how the bond's approaching par? Watch one more time. Let's get it to 6.45%. The coupon's 6.5%. Now it is just a little above par. And again, if the yield gets to the coupon, it sells at par. So the spread between coupon and par drives how close or how far it is away from par. Now, I don't want to get too far, far into that. Let me show you calculating a bond's price in Excel. It's not bad. But it just seems a little cumbersome. I set up, as I always encourage, you set up a table with your inputs. So in this case, for the bond price, you'll need the face value, the annual coupon, the yield to maturity, which the Excel calls the required rate. And you'll need how, the term, which is the N in the calculator, how long the bond has left. Okay, so now, face value is 1,000. The annual coupon is 6.5. The yield to maturity, the required rate, is 6.75. How long? 12 years. The number of coupons per year. This is one nice thing about Excel. You tell it the number of periods. And once you get those in there, you actually just use the PV formula, okay? So watch while I'll do it again here. PV. Oh, and put negative because then you'll get a positive number. But PV. Now I'm going to open the parenthesis. It says, what's the rate? Now the rate is going to be, because it's annual, well, I'm just going to put it like this. The rate on the bond. Wait a minute. Let me do so. The rate on the bond will be the annual coupon divided by the number of coupon payments per year. We do annual coupons, it's one. If you do semi annual, it's two. Okay. 
divided by, yeah, I did it. I, comma. Now the number of periods. That will be the term of the bond, 12 years left, times the number of coupons per year, just like the calculator does. Comma. Yeah. So for the, uh, for the first part, uh, in the actual Excel sheet you gave us with D5, you have the yield to maturity divided by the uh, number of coupons per year. What did I do there? I screwed up. You're right. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I wrote the wrong one. The first one is the rate is the six, uh, it's uh, B5. I've wrote before, didn't I? Okay. Yeah, it's the rate. The required rate, okay, divided by the number of periods. Thought I was doing too well there. Okay, divided by the pay, uh, coupons per year. Now, comma. Now, the next one would be the number of periods, which would be the term of the bond times the number of payments per year. Now, the payments. The payments will be the annual coupon times the face value divided by the number of periods. And you'll be able to look at this formula for yourself in the Excel sheet, obviously. And then the future value, comma, the face value. And for God's sake, leave that last one alone. Just close it. There you go. And again, just look at the formula. It's in your sheet, obviously. You can just look up at the top and see what I did there. And you get your answer. Now, one nice thing about this, notice that I can make the coupon semi-annual by just changing the two, that one to a two, watch. See it? That makes it, a, that, in, in the calculator, you have to manually go back and fix the N, the I percent, and the PMT. In Excel, if you set it up correctly, then it'll just automatically adjust. So we can go back to one, and there's your Uncle Bob. That's not horrible, but if you're thinking about Excel and when you, and I, I don't want to harp on this subject, when you say on your resume, Excel, well, if you can't do one of these, then they're, they're, that's what they're going to expect is that you can do formulas like this. Relatively, I mean, you're probably faster than I am and you probably don't make as many mistakes as you do them as I do, but that's... A, a, the skill level of Excel that corporate America expects of someone who says, I know Excel. They'll have other expectations too, like pivot tables and all that, but anyway. Now, the yield to maturity. Let's go back to the calculator and let's do YTM. Matter of fact, let me exit without saving state so I can get rid of all that. Let's go back in to Excel and start fresh. Okay, apps, 
finance TVM solver. Oops. Okay, now, in this case, and this is where the calculator really is considerably easier, I think, anyway. Okay, now, on the calculator, we have an AMF 6.5%. That would be the coupon. So, in other words, if I wanted to run right in here, payment, 6.5, what does it say? 5.65%. 5.65 times 1,000. And it's a 2032 bond, so that's 10 years left. Term is the 10 years left until it matures. Now in this case, we don't know the yield. So we have to calculate the yield. That's the one we'll calculate. But we do know the price. The price value is $1,045. Remember, always PVs go in as a negative. So it's 1045. I did that wrong. That coupon is 0 0.0565 times 1,000. Face value is always $1,000. Make sure it's on end. This time we go up and we get the yield to maturity. Go up to the I percent, alpha solve. You're all done. That fast. I mean, it gets a little bit hairier. If I do semi-annual coupons, I have to change this to times two for 20 periods. Well, I can't do it on the keyboard, times two. And then I'm gonna go down here and I have to divide the coupon by two. Now what's gonna happen is when I get my I percent, it will be a semi-annual. Alpha solve. <coughs> Excuse me. So I have to run over here and times it by two. 5.07. You know, it's a little bit larger, but not materially. And that's why I really don't care on an exam whether you do it annual or semi-annual. But just very quickly, let's finish it up over here. This is a pain. The settlement, that's the day you buy the bond. You always make that exactly the, for our purposes. All you do is make it that many years earlier. So in this case, we are in 2022, so I just put the same date, 2022, as this one. And you have to format it this way in Excel. And then the rate is the good grief. Yeah, that's that thing right there. The coupon. Now it's a hundred. In the maturity formula you have to use on the hundred. Frequency is two. And the price is not 1045 You have to say it on the 100 I tried to get Excel to do it with the thousands. It, it gave me an error. So we just go down here, and here it is. The yield is, first thing you're going to do is put the settlement. In other words, the day you buy it. 
The second thing you're going to do is put the day you sell it. The rate is going to be your coupon, your present value, your your um, your PR, your uh, your um, price. Yeah, price. I, I just drew a blank there. Your price is that. Whoops, sorry. Your price is that one. And then your redemption is this date right here, uh, that many years later. And like I said, this gets to be kind of a pain in the ass to do it. And the frequency is one. And if you put all those in, you get the same thing you do in the calculator. And I really, I, I just hate this formula because even the present value is a positive instead of the traditional negative. And you have to do this matching of the settlement date on the year of, of maturity with the settlement date here, at least as far as the date goes, and just change the number of years. Don't like it at all. Won't recommend that you use it that way, but you need to know it. But again, I'm not going to ask this on the exam. All I'm going to ask you is for more of the qualitative information about bonds. But the final, and we'll go over this again after the final, after the midterm exam. I'll do all of this over again for you with the math. Right now, you need to get to work on a quiz that's opening.